Hey everybody, this is episode 8 of the VR Gear Daily News Podcast, February 11th, 2020. Today we've got two stories for you. They are actually a lot of fun to talk about. Uh, The first one is Facebook is going to do a lot more in AR, as we learned, because they just purchased a really unique startup called Scape Computer Vision. The other story we're going to talk about is uh, Steam releasing a beta of an upcoming release to their Steam VR platform. A lot of new visuals, and we'll dig into that as well. So let's get started with today's top news, starting with Facebook's acquisition of Scape Computer Vision. Yeah, so Scape, uh, they first started in 2016, uh, but this isn't their first time getting mentioned uh, in the public news. Last year when the Cowboys showed off their new AT&T Stadium with some of their 5G features, one of the AR uh, exhibits, I guess, was powered by Scape. And they got a they got a lot of attention with that, so um, this isn't the first time. But uh, also, it's not really the same company now. Oculus and Facebook uh, bought over seventy five percent of all shares. Um, it's reported, not confirmed, but reported that the majority of uh, the directors on the board have stepped down, and Facebook is now putting their. Uh, own personnel inside of those positions to make decisions. So, um, well, it, so okay. How not, big of a team did we have here with uh, Scape Computer Vision? How, how, do you know how big the company was? Not sure, uh, but most of it is now Facebook. So, whatever that size is. So they must. Okay, I saw this a lot. I mean, you see this a lot actually in uh, these big tech companies. They buy up startups not because they're so you know sold on the leadership of the startup, but because a startup might have spent several years developing some very crucial technology that can be leveraged in uh, the, the context of a much larger uh, push. So in this context, Scape Computer Vision is likely filled with very capable engineers that have solved a very uh, crucial problem that Facebook has determined is important for them to solve. And so Facebook is faced with a decision. They can say, we could build it or we could buy it. Uh, And it looks like in this case, they bought it. And if the uh, underlying technology is what everyone hopes and assumes it would be on the Facebook side, then they don't necessarily need the leadership. The leadership, if you think about it, the leadership of a company, they provide vision, mm-hmm. right? Well, now Facebook has its own vision. Oculus has its own vision. So they didn't, they don't need the vision of the escape computer vision people. <laughs> well, that's kind of a, that's punny. I didn't, that was unintentional. This podcast is punny. Right? They, they don't need the, the leadership for direction. And they also don't need the leadership to push sales because this product won't be sold directly to anybody anymore. This is something that will be integrated into all of the different Oculus product lines. As a result, the only leadership that you would possibly want to bring on board from a company like Scape Computer Vision is the technical folks, the engineering leadership who who have been running the teams that designed the technology in the first place. Because, again, Facebook has all their own visionary leadership Mm -hmm. in the Oculus group. They also know how to monetize and to push this out into the public. 
I'm not saying this as like an, uh, um, as definitive. There are times where leaders are brought in as part of the acquisition deal, but um, but you bring this up that they, they aren't necessarily holding on to the leadership. That's not uncommon, uh, and they're probably getting a pretty, you know, <laughs> pretty penny. Like they're, yeah. they're probably being compensated well for it, and they're happy to go. So let, let's talk a little bit about the technology that that uh, Scape Computer Vision brings to the table and why uh, Oculus would be interested in it. So what they made, and I guess they're still in the process of uh, finishing it, is something called the Vision Engine, which is a digital overlay over the real world. Um, if you go check out Edward Miller's post on Twitter, it's his pinned tweet of exactly what Scape can do. It's also inside the article on our website. But uh, it's pretty cool. So there's flying cars that can go through the, uh, the, through the city with this vision. There are uh, signs above restaurants and bars to let you know exactly what it is. It'll be flashing, looks like LED lights. It's pretty cool. Uh, and it's exactly what you would expect to see in AR glasses. Uh, which is exactly what Oculus said they are in the process of making. So it's um, okay. This is this is awesome. This is like hyper precise location, uh, hyper precision location uh, information, uh, because it is uh, it's combining maps, which uses GPS, and then when you're really close to it, it uses the um, whatever. Uh, augmented reality technology your platform supports. So that would be um, AR Kit for iOS, or it would be AR Core for Android, or you could use Unity 3D. But the most prevalent ones in mobile devices are AR Core and AR Kit. Mm. And what that allows you to do, because it, the only way that AR Kit works, for example, is, is by anchoring in the physical world. And that means you need to have like millimeter precision so that you know things aren't drifting around. Well, you already got like within three meters of precision with GPS, and that's as good as it's been for a while. But now you're getting within millimeter precision with the um, addition of augmented reality. And so what this is enabling is a, is a massive world map that has um, digital objects that can be anchored via AR technology at a precise location. So it has both um, GPS and it has now the augmented reality technology precise. to precise. So I could leave something at like a storefront in a city across the world today and anchor it there and like maybe report it back to this technology, however they want to ingest it. And then you could walk by that shop, assuming that they store the data, and you would see it because it, – and, and it doesn't matter if I tell you where it is. You'd see it because it has GPS plus all the precise data uh, location data that uh, the augmented reality uh, SDKs provide. Uh, so, I, I mean, it's open source. The, the crazy thing is I saw this exact technology on GitHub a couple months ago. Right. Where there were some uh, MIT engineers who, who were – the the, uh, the 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 source files said they were using Apple's Map Kit plus Apple's AR Kit uh, to to enable uh, precision location 
uh, information to enable like location-based experiences. I'm like, that's pretty that's awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and before we saw this uh, story drop, I didn't know about Scape, uh, Scape Computer Vision, but they're essentially doing the same thing. So I I, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to go dig up that GitHub link because I mean, if you're listening to this and you're interested in going and doing this own thing yourself, recreating it, and maybe hopefully being purchased by Facebook by I don't know for how much money. <laughs> It's already available on GitHub. Maybe Facebook didn't know that. <laughs> Dang it, we didn't do the research. Oh, Facebook. Out $2 million. Bummer. No. But yeah, so this is, uh, this is encouraging. There is, uh, it, it's exciting for Facebook to be the company to do this because so many people are on that platform. And uh, that you know Facebook is cross-platform. So whether you're on uh, Android or iOS, your mobile device is, go- is going to be supported if... Uh, Facebook starts to integrate this technology into their platform. Uh, right now, if you go to scape.io, um, that's the website of Escape uh, Computer Vision. Um, it, it it talks about a lot of the details of what this thing is able to do, and it does say that it it is compatible with you know iOS and Android and the Unity 3D, and it does provide open source modules allowing you to take advantage of some of the technologies in your own apps and experiences. Uh, the, the SDK is called Scape Kit, and it says it pr- provides precise geolocation within areas mapped via a single API call. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff. So that is Facebook and uh, the acquisition of Scape Computer, computer Vision. Yeah, it's, it's Big exciting. Deal. Yeah, we'll see what Facebook can do with it. Have they said what they're going to do with it? Other no, than but the stuff they've already said before. Uh, it was kind of funny. So TechCrunch uh, was the ones that uh, uncovered this through some weird cryptic reports. And they asked uh, a Facebook representative what like they planned to do with it and asked them about the acquisition. And they said that they, quote, acquire small tech companies from time to time. We don't always discuss our plans. That's and that was it. That's was like Apple says that all the time. I was like, that. first of all, you can't steal that line. Second of all, that's not very true. Like, one of the biggest events of the year for Oculus, well, the biggest event of the year for Oculus, and the biggest news that came out of the event was, like, basically pure speculation from Mark Zuckerberg. It was like, hey, uh, we're building AR glasses, and we don't have any prototypes or even, like, computer-generated images of these prototypes to show you, but we're really excited that we're working on this. And then they just haven't talked about it for a while. So, yeah. like, the idea that they don't always say what they're doing, like, I don't know. You guys are pretty open. They show their hand. Well, you know what's interesting? Um, I was going to bring this up uh, at the beginning, but I'll bring it up now. The FTC just launched a an investigation into companies like uh, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Apple. Um, and, and the investigation is centered around acquisitions of smaller companies that – um, these large companies typically don't disclose specifically ones like this, where they aren't coming out and, and, uh, saying that they are doing the acquisition. A good example of a public facing one that Apple did was when they purchased beats, a non-public facing one that eventually like came out uh, to the public was like the acquisition of like prime sense or, um, what's the, what's the one, the, uh, the fingerprint company. Oh, uh, yeah, I forget the name of it, but fingerprint, fingerprint company. Well, like these ones initially, it wasn't like public knowledge. And then it was like, Hey, 
I was a customer of that technology. Where'd it go? It's like, oh, we were acquired. Who acquired you? And then like a year later, the tech shows up again, but it's like exclusively in an Apple product. Right. It was Authentic. Yeah, Authentic was the name of the, the fingerprint company. So those Authentic fingerprint, uh, that technology was in like laptops everywhere. But then Apple acquired them and then uh, they, didn't, they weren't anywhere anymore. Only in iPhones. That was it, right? They, were, they didn't go into any new devices. Same with like PrimeSense, like that thing on the Xbox Connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just went away. That was a really great product. That was like the closest thing to AR, VR that Xbox probably will ever get. No. Phil. But uh, yeah, Apple ruined it for them. Sorry, Phil. Jeez, that guy. That guy. He's going he's gonna to make my hair go gray. Uh, just, yeah, he definitely is. Anyway, so these types of smaller acquisitions are actually crucial to the success of these large companies because they're enabling – it's like a shortcut. They could go and spin up a team of like 15 – experts in computer vision or they could just go shopping out in the market and find a startup that is already proficient at computer vision pay them a lump of money up front and then get their technology forever and a team that has already been working together and they already know how to build a product and maybe they already have a product it's a, it's a lot faster for these big companies to acquire small capable teams than it is to build one organically mm-hmm. and i don't think people realize that but it's absolutely true Okay, so that's uh, Facebook. Let's talk about story number two, Steam VR beta. Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty cool, Mark, what they're doing. Um, so they released the newest beta, and the user interface on this thing is gorgeous. It, uh, if oh, you my used... gosh, it's so good looking that it almost looks like the Oculus one. I know, it looks great. <laughs> so if... Uh, if you use Steam VR, which is really likely if you're listening to this podcast, because almost everyone that has a VR headset does, uh, you can go get the new beta from their uh, Steam VR app, or I guess the Steam app inside the VR section, and it it looks really good. There's a new user interface that has only six buttons on it now, and we'll just break those down for you real quick. Um, in the bottom left, you have the typical menu button. But because this is a beta, it's not going to do much. It's actually actually just going to take you back to the regular Steam uh, interface that you see without uh, the beta working. So don't press the menu button or else it won't be any fun. And then now you can see your desktop with the click of one button from the home screen. Uh, and that's the bottom left on the inside. And it, so if you have multiple desktops set up, by the way, uh, it'll take you to the default one. And whatever you set that as, that, that'll be the desktop you see. But you're, right now, you're only able to see one desktop inside of VR with the beta running. Uh, on the left side middle, you'll have the library button. And this is pretty cool. Um, if you're familiar with the older Steam VR room that you would walk around in, in the middle, uh, on the left side of the store, you'd have the library uh, and it would show like your most recent games. It was hard to scroll through, and it wasn't very easy. But now, if you click the library in the beta, it's just going to show you the fourteen all in a row, all on one screen without having to scroll. Your fourteen latest games and apps you've been inside of that you own. So that's pretty simple and fun. And then the bottom right, in the middle, you'll have the store section, which is really it's not much new. Uh, you're, it's going to take you to the Steam store. But it won't be running the beta at that point. And then, Mark, this is my favorite part of the new beta. Uh, and I know this shouldn't be a big deal, but sadly it is. 
the volume button. Sometimes in VR, and you know this better than anyone, <laughs> it can be so hard to adjust the volume. And I just, I just want it a little quieter. That's all I want. But now, uh, with the click of one button inside of the new user, user interface, you can change the volume. And I'm really excited about that, and I can't wait to play Beat Saber more well, because of that. You know, it's uh, kind of, I, I think it's cleaner. It definitely is a new design language they've used for this. Uh, one thing that was irritating, um, and it looks like you can still uh, click view, view your desktop. I, I think that uh, is, it's helpful to focus on real-world use cases and i think bringing them all kind of into one browser is better than having them in a in a physical space like yes virtual reality allows you to feel like you're somewhere else but you're also in a virtual space like physically moving around in a virtual space or physically moving around in your actual space just to move around in your virtual space is somewhat redundant in a way and so Reducing that and allowing menus to be contextual and helpful and not require you to move across the room to view different things like the, the regular Steam environment, uh-huh. that's helpful. Now, one thing that I would love to see really, really enhanced and focused on is integrating your existing uh, technology use cases into VR. And right now, all we have is a little button that allows you to just bring up your desktop. And that's about the end of it. But why do you need to bring up a desktop that is interacted with via a keyboard and mouse and you're in VR? So, like, what are you supposed to do with that? Well, you can, you can interact with a desktop from the headset. I know. How easy is it or how hard is it to interact with your desktop? Oh, it's not with, easy. Yeah, yeah, like your VR controller. You're like, yeah. okay, now I'm supposed to type something. Crap, crap crap like it's not easy to type it's not easy to close windows and it's very hard to like precisely aim at something and pull the trigger and actually get it right so what i'm saying is instead of just taking me to my desktop bring all the functionality that that would require me to go to my desktop rewrite the user interface but bring that same functionality into vr so for example if i'm going to go to my desktop to uh to control my email. Uh, well, why don't you just bring my email into VR and change the interaction method to match VR interactions rather than say, oh, we can give you access to your email via an old interaction paradigm that is based on a keyboard and mouse. Good luck with your, you know, Vive controllers. Like, okay, this, this is a horrible experience. Why are you even letting me go into my desktop in the first place, if I don't have the right tools to be effective in this environment. So instead of going there, why don't we figure out a way to bring the functionality that would make us want to go there in the first place into VR? So bring it into VR and rewrite the interaction models. It's not helpful. Like it is, it is like the most dissatisfying thing about VR is how little you're able to do um, that uh, do in VR that you do outside of VR that you would normally do outside of VR while interacting with technology. So let's uh, an example, and this is a definitely a big tangent and a rant. But you're sitting at your desktop and you can go from window to window to window, like, and not leave your desktop and get a million things done. Right. You can get into VR 
and you can get very few things done in terms of like number of different things. You might be very productive in one thing, but you cannot go from context to context to context to context, switching what you're doing, going between different experiences and different productivity tools and getting a lot of stuff done. Now, VR isn't necessarily designed as a productivity tool, but everyone keeps pushing it as a, an enterprise like toolbox that allows you to do a lot of stuff. Well, having a simple go to my desktop button should be hidden somewhere because, well, in the future it should be. Right now it has to be there because nobody's thought through how to bring all the functionality of your computer into virtual reality so that you can interact with it in a new way. Mm-hmm. No one solved that problem. As a result, we're kind of like, okay, what? <laughs> Let's solve everything else but that. But that is that is the only problem That's to solve. Underlying problem under everything. If you want mass adoption of VR, you need to make VR as useful as using a computer with a keyboard and a mouse. And that doesn't mean let a VR user just go to their desktop and then poke around with their laser pointers, like. You need to basically mirror the functionality with a new user experience. And that's a problem, like you said, no one wants to answer. Even if they can or can't, they're no, not. Well, they, they won't. can't. Well, like, the, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I, yeah, okay. I don't know if they want to or if it's too ambitious of a project to do it. Uh, I keep saying that the only companies that could do it are, are companies that have the chops to make hardware and some software and operating systems specifically. So that that restricts everything to just um, Microsoft, Apple, and Google. They're the only companies that have operating systems, hardware, and software, right? I mean, yeah. I know you have like the Steam gaming operating system, but that's not like a full-on operating system. There's Linux out there, but there's no like Linux-based company that is like fully building hardware. And I know Android's built on top of Linux, but the point is like, there's only three big players that can actually gather the right resources to solve this problem. Now, Facebook is still in its infancy in the hardware game. Mm-hmm. It made a phone that was it the home phone or whatever they want to call it. I, the I, dumbest I, phone dude, ever. Like it was honestly, a walking ad. You turn it on and on your lock screen was an advertisement. Like what? That's not. I don't want to see that. No, like, but people do because you know what? Ads let you know what products you're gonna buy you have to buy like <laughs> no i just wanted to see my daughter but i guess instead i'm looking at but that phone failed suit. like yeah. that phone failed like i think it failed before the keynote was over i don't know no, like people were returning phones they didn't even buy they wanted a refund for the ticket that they didn't buy to watch the keynote Jeez. live online i don't they not even a success yeah facebook is not a hardware company they acquired oculus that they were a hardware company and they do have some software, but the Oculus environment, it has a long way to go to do anything close to what like Windows operating system can do or Mac OS operating system can do or even iOS or Android or Windows Mobile or, or like operating systems that are designed by these massive technology powerhouses and they really are like the grandfather of all technology the apples and the microsofts of the world so this this problem of having vr be prolific whether people like headsets or not it needs to be solved by someone who can solve the whole problem and we have a like a ton of companies solving niches of the problem like they're not nobody has 
been able to solve the whole problem. Mm-mm. Just small corners of it. And so now we're left with Steam VR coming out with a new interface for the the Steam storefront and is for your Steam library and Steam VR, which is great that they're making advancements. But when you hit that computer desktop button, same old, same old, same old. Yep. Because your desktop is not designed to be interacted with with a VR toolbox. It just isn't. And who do you need? Like, and I, I don't even know if Steam can solve that. That's a huge problem to solve. We shouldn't put that on Steam. We should put that on like Microsoft. Yeah. And Apple and like Google, I guess. But I'm sure Phil Spencer could find a reason to no, fix it. Him I, and Microsoft. No, Phil Spencer. He he only does things that have been done before. Oh yeah, I forgot. No one's asking for this yeah. yet, so we're not gonna do it. If you want to know what the future looks like. Look to the past, because it's going to be a lot more of that. Like, what? Thanks, Phil Spencer. That doesn't sound promising that, at all, Phil. That's the opposite of inspiring. I love it. Fantastic. All right, well, that's uh, that's it. There's a lot of ranting, but a lot of uh, news. That uh, Those are the two news stories today. Facebook making an acquisition of Scape Computer Vision and the Steam 2.0 beta. We're getting a little bit of a sizzle before the bacon with uh, some new visuals and new interaction methods to get into your Steam library and the Steam store. And that has been Episode 8 of the VR Gear Daily News Podcast for February 11th, 2020. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.